Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong. Radiant. Timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Confession, I believe that I may have the perfect socks for today's episode. There are some socks that a friend of mine got me from his travels in Japan, and they have separations in the in the fabric for the toes. I feel much more agile than I would be uh, wearing just normal socks. Ben, so they're like ninja socks? Yeah, that's a, that's a way to put them. Yeah, it's like uh, the division for the sandals. Picture every uh, Western film you've seen in the 90s or something that featured ninjas. Right. Yeah, so I've got the – I've got these uh, – <laughs> It's weird. I took my shoes off and showed uh, showed you and our super producer, Casey Pegram, these socks before we hit the air. I feel somewhat more athletic in these. Well, Ben, we are in a tiny shipping container type box. Did you put your shoes back on? Yeah, yeah. You can tell, Noel. You can tell that I put my shoes back on. I think I think uh, being in a small area with your shoes off like that in a work environment would be kind of rude. No, it's it'd poor. Like, it's poor podcast etiquette to be, be like, sure. Yeah, like loudly eating or something. Oh you my know? gosh, Ben, are you being passive aggressive to me about my loud on mic eating? No, you're not eating something. I'm not right now, but you know, I've been known to have a snack occasionally. But I try to do it off mic. I try yeah, to do it you usually mic. do it when we're not on air. That's so, true. Yeah, that's a good point. Although I gotta say, sometimes I. Find I find it charming when a, when a podcaster has a little snack on there. I think it's a, about personal choice, okay. personal preference. So back to this, this idea, I am not a professional athlete, and you and I know each other pretty well. You are currently not a professional athlete. No, I'm barely a professional anything. <laughs> We're barely professional podcasters, right? I actually updated my uh, my Instagram bio to be a semi-pro podcast geek. So that's, that's what I consider myself, <laughs> semi-pro. There you go. Uh, we do know um, that the world of professional athleticism is obviously 
an enormous, uh, enormous deal. It's a huge industry. Billions and billions of dollars are spent every year and billions of dollars are uh, generated every year through various athletic endeavors around the world. And for a peek behind the curtain, as the three of us record today's episode of Ridiculous History, we are on the verge of two uh, very big and unusual things for our fair metropolis of Atlanta. Uh, the first is a definite, that's the Super Bowl, and the second is a possible storm, a snowstorm. Mm-hmm. So we're looking for the uh, the snowpocalypse Super Bowl traffic jam coming our way pretty soon. Right, which became a Facebook event that a lot of people in town checked in on, right? Mm-hmm. Did you do that? Not yet. <laughs> so we started thinking about um, – the world of professional athletes. And we kicked around the idea of maybe doing the history of Super Bowls, which could be a cool notion for a future episode. But we also asked ourselves a surprisingly fascinating question. Who was the highest paid athlete not not just this year, but in history. Yeah, it's true. And it turns out that somebody else, uh, uh, someone with a little bit more of a historical pedigree uh, than we have, a guy by the name of Dr. Peter Strzok, who's a professor at the University of Pennsylvania. Um, in an article he wrote for Laugham's Quarterly, Strzok um, went into great detail about his discovery that turns out the highest paid athlete of all time was not like a footballer or, or a basketballer. It wasn't LeBron. Wasn't it wasn't LeBron, Tiger. wasn't, you know, some, was, some football player. wasn't Michael Jordan. wasn't Joe Montana. Do you want Joe Montana? That's a football player. That's true. I remember him from, from video games mainly. I like he, he, had, he was known for his effective but just very ugly throws. But he had a big old arm, right? He was like an arm guy. Most of them do. There are very few. That's true. <laughs> What's we got? Peyton Manning. He's a, he's a good there example. We go. he's, there we he's, go. He's worth a lot of money. And tiny arm Jenkins. Tiny just arm Jenkins in, in the refrigerator. Uh, but no, none of those guys. Turns out it was a, I'm going to say, charioteer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A charioteer uh, named Gaius Apuleius Diocles. Well done. <laughs> We'll we'll probably shift around in that in that pronunciation times. Uh, this is a very very interesting guy. He was from an area of what is now modern day Spain and Portugal. He was most likely illiterate, but man, his chariot game was on fire. So there's an inscription set up in the city of Rome that was originally created in 146 CE or AD, however you prefer. Uh, And it tells us exactly how much this charioteer from the province of Lusitania earned during his, oh, what was it, Noel, 24 years as an athlete, as a charioteer? Yes, and let's not sweep under the rug the fact that that is an awful long time to survive in such a intense and and brutal and strenuous and dangerous for even spectators, let alone the people right in the thick of it uh, mm-hmm. profession. I mean, we're talking like these chariots being drawn by up to 10 horses. He had like the reins tied around his waist. You know, I mean, I could imagine a mishap, you know, tearing him limb from limb. But oh, no, yeah. he was able to maintain this career 24 years, which is, oh gosh, at least four times the length, I would say, of an average, you know, football or, or basketball player's career. Yeah, even in these, our modern days, ongoing studies show us that being an athlete 
can be tremendously damaging to the body and punishing to the mind, especially when you get in the world of boxing and U.S. football, uh, which, you know, leave the door wide open to concussions. Yeah, you know, and I, I just kind of pulled that out of my ear, but uh, it's about apparently, according to Business Insider, the average span of an NBA basketball player is about 4.8 years. Right, right. It's true. It's uh, Now, this can be longer for some— uh, some individuals, and of course, it can be longer in some sports, mm-hmm. right? Uh, some Olympic sports, you may have a longer lifespan, but professionally speaking, again, uh, we are at our best only human. So this guy is doing a tremendous job back in his time. As, as a charioteer, Rome, what, what exactly would his, would his sport have been comprised of? Well, like I said, he would have uh, been piloting a, I guess, a two-wheeled chariot, right? How many wheels are on a chariot? Is it four? I fig- I-, I picture it as being reared back on two wheels. Two wheels. Two wheels with a team of horses, like mm-hmm. I said, up to 10 mm-hmm. reins used to kind of uh, encourage them to go faster or slow up. And like I said, he actually had them tied around his body so he could use his whole body to kind of control the horses. And he was um, racing. This racing. is racing. Yeah. Specifically. And, and dirty tricks in, in chariot racing. I-, I guess I think of maybe cartoon uh, examples mm-hmm. of chariot racing where all of a sudden and like one of the wheels would have like a blade on it or something like that and they'd kind of go up close to the other participant and use that blade to kind of grind up at their wheel and I think people would stop at nothing to uh, to you know defeat the competition no matter what it took right mm-hmm. yeah and chariot racing was a huge huge deal it was bigger than NASCAR is now the classes would be divided primarily by uh, how many horses were pulling the chariot, a two-horse team, a four-horse team, a six-horse team. The earliest account of a chariot race occurs in Homer's description of the funeral of Patroclus. Uh, these, these races were one of the big-ticket items of the ancient Olympic Games. They would happen during religious festivals. Essentially, civilizations at the time viewed chariot races as a really cool thing to add to almost any public event. You know what I mean? It's like a, a, a citywide festival or contest. And normally, these chariot races would proceed thusly. There would be four to six different chariots. They would compete in a single race, and the race would usually be around seven laps around what was called uh, the circus, the Circus Maximus. These chariots, we should emphasize, were very light affairs because, you know, you wanted to get the maximum power and the minimum amount of weight. This also means that they were super fragile. So were a collision to occur, you were up the wrong creek without a paddle. Yeah, and to that end, most of the folks that piloted these chariots um, only lived till about 24 years old, whereas Diocles retired which is very unusual, at the ripe old age of uh, 42, at which point he was worth a whole lot of money. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right. No, it's it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know. I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac, yeah. Bonnevilles. right? Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was, a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, <laughs> I said El Camino and I meant Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. But it, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Dr. Strzok found that Diocles' total earnings would have equated to roughly... $15 billion in modern terms. $15 billion with a B. Uh, you can also see a, another great write-up of this in History Collection. There's an article uh, by Alexander Mettings that we would recommend. This, this is strange because these were all net earnings too. The charioteer didn't have to uh, pay promoters didn't have to pay, you know, a marketing team or support his, I don't know, entourage or shell out cash for sponsorship. He probably had it pretty good, you know. What would he have what would he have done personally with that? And and how did Professor Strzok figure out this number? 
On that inscription, Ben, that you mentioned, it has his his earnings in uh, the currency of the time, which is sesterci, and that would have been thirty five million eight hundred and sixty three thousand one hundred and twenty. And Struck figured out that for the time, that would have been enough to buy grain to feed the entirety of Rome for one year um, and also was about five times higher a salary than any of the highest paid officials in the land and also could have paid for every single Roman soldier for a fifth of a year. And that was when Rome was at its peak in terms of its military might. Yeah, running from uh, Scotland all the way in the far north, Egypt in the south, Spain uh, in the west, and the Euphrates in the east. He clearly busted his hump for this money. uh, And to compare him to, let's say, the highest paid governmental authorities, in two months, he would earn what Rome's highest paid provincial governor could expect to earn in one year. And there was a great amount of risk with this. We mentioned the horse's reins being tied physically to the athlete. When those fragile vehicles collided with something, it often resulted in the death or serious injury of a charioteer because the horses kept going. That's right. There'd be a lot of of trampling. Um, And Ben, we were trying to get to the conversion method. We always plug numbers into our handy-dandy inflation calculator here on Ridiculous History. But those um, figures that I mentioned earlier were on are on the stone inscription, this thing, the idea of being able to bankroll the Roman army for a fifth of a year. So Strzok was able to extrapolate uh, a modern estimate um, based on what it would cost to pay for our military. Um, so it's obviously not a perfect one-to-one, yeah. but it would have been a pretty good educated guess. Absolutely. And oh, you know what we should do? We should read the actual inscription. So here it goes in the English translation. It begins with Gaius Apuleius Diocles, charioteer of the Red Stable, a Lusitanian Spaniard by birth, age 42 years, 7 months, 23 days. And the monument says he raced four horse chariots for 24 years. So we get some valuable numbers there. Uh, we also know that given his fame, there was a snowball effect. He started turning down races. You know what I mean? It had to be worth his time. So he would race in the most high-end, high-profile races that had the most potential uh, to win a large amount of money. He started in, this is according to the inscription, in 4,257 races. He won 1,463 times. And the inscription says that translates to him winning 92 major prizes. Of these, 32 were of 30,000 sesterci, three of them with six-horse teams, two in races with six-horse chariots, one with a seven-horse chariot. Uh, He tied with – because they had these different factions, right? He was a red stable, right? And he tied a blue stable 10 times, a green stable 91 and the the this inscription, the thing that's invaluable about it is that it maps out his stats the same way that um, a baseball card, back when those were a big deal, a baseball card would map out the stats of your favorite uh, your favorite baseball player. Ben, would these have been like alongside gladiator events, or would those have been like two different things? Because it feels like this would have almost been like a like the gladiator thing might have been the main event, this might have been like a side event, or were they completely separate? I'm just wondering. 
You know, there's, that's a good question, Noel. There's probably a situation, again, where in there were large public events that involved this stuff, and there were definitely chariots in gladiatorial combat at that's times. That's right. right. Sometimes there could have been probably gladiator matches on chariot, where they're, like, coming at each other, swinging weapons as they pass, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's let's go back for a second to the earlier comparison in the world of animation and cartoons, right? How exaggerated or how accurate uh, was this depiction of chariot racing? It turns out that it's not completely off base. It's not completely cartoonish or made up because these knives – on the wheels were a a real thing, and the charioteers would attempt to ram their rivals into the median at the center of the track uh, called the spinet, and then they would come crashing into these hairpin turns. They also, I thought you would find just the pure spectacle of this fascinating. During races, it was very common for the three chariots representing each faction to team up with one another to bring down a very unpopular rival or a very strong one like Diocles. And bring down in this sense means literally grind them into the dust. This violence is part of why chariot races were so incredibly popular. Like think about how many people love the Super Bowl. I'm sure there's an income bracket to get a ticket because those things are thousands of dollars. But Millions and millions of people in this country watch the Super Bowl and pull for a team they love, regardless of, you know, their individual demographic. Chariot races were the same way, but before television. That's true. And you could also probably expect to see someone get really horribly injured, um, you know, and and ideally that's less the case with modern American football or they're trying to phase <laughs> that out and make it less of an attraction. But I still think that's largely what people not, – not not to like taste blood, but you it's all about the stakes, right? What's the point of like being all in with this if there aren't like real stakes? You don't feel like these people have something to lose beyond just like glory or – being shamed or whatever. That's a great that's a great question. I, I wrote a thing a long time ago that wasn't wasn't part of how stuff works about the social role of sports as a substitute for actual warfare. It, it hits all the same notes of tribalism, you know what I mean? And identifying with something larger than oneself. This ah, this is making me miss car stuff, Noel, because we have to mention these chariot races were also dangerous for the audience because the rivalry went beyond lighthearted competition. It became as high risk as the races themselves. Think of soccer hooligans, okay? There were chariot hooligans, charioteer hooligans. One guy learned about the death of one of the best charioteers in the red faction, and he threw himself on the funeral pyre to be burned alongside his sports idol. Dude, that's like that's like sports as a stand-in for not only warfare, but like religion. Yeah, yeah. Good call. In 69 AD or CE, the emperor Vitellius had some commoners executed because they talked trash about the blue faction and the emperor loved them. He was personally offended. So he had them put to death. And it also reminds me of sort of the early days of auto racing, like the Le Mans. Remember we did an episode on that where it was absolutely very dangerous just physically to be a spectator because if there was a fiery crash, 
bits of flaming debris could go shooting out into the uh, crowd, potentially injuring or even killing people. There were several uh, accounts of, of folks being killed at those races, and such is the case for these chariot races. You know, you'd have the potential for people in the stands getting hit by, you know, pieces of flying off of the chariots. And stuff. Oh, yeah, 24-hour Le Mans. Yeah, we have a ridiculous history on that. We have something about the history of the race in a series on car stuff, too. If, you, if you'd like to learn more about the, oh, my gosh, the utter, utterly horrific accidents that happened in those races. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car. I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonneville's. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one, and that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I meant I said El Camino, <laughs> and I meant Monte Carlo. I miss it so. Uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. It, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. <laughs> well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. 
Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. We have to say, you know, we we have to speculate a bit on the psychology of the audience because maybe that was part of the appeal, to be right down there in the thick of it, as close to the chariots as possible despite the risk, or to have this social identification that was so strong that you would want to physically harm someone because they were a green and you were a blue. It's strange, too, because Diocles was chasing glory uh, along with money, but he was definitely chasing the glory, chasing the fame, because he switched his factions. He began his career as a white, and then he moved over to the greens, because uh, of all the teams, the greens and the blues were the most successful and the most popular, right? Think of them like the New England Patriots, if you're a football fan. But then... He made a switch. He made a switcheroo, a plot twist. You see, he transferred to the less popular Red Faction, and this would have made pretty good financial sense to him, maybe have given him some more time to shine. He would have been a bigger fish in a smaller pond. Because, you see, Diocles, when he was on the green team, he was just one of many very popular charioteers, you know. He was a, possibly a footnote in history, but he could become a main character in history if he went with the Reds. And that's what he did. And despite what you might assume, he was not the uh, he, he was not the charioteer who won the most races. He just got the most money. As Professor Robert B. Kiebrick points out in the career of Diocles Roman charioteer, his victories paled in comparison to those of other charioteers, such as Scorpius, who had 2,048 victories, or Pompeius Musclosus, who had 3,559 victories. But he made it. He won the game, right? He retired, as we said. He lived a, a pretty sedate, fun life after that, you know, from... Let's see, he was born in approximately 104 CE, and he passed away sometime after 146 CE. But I, I believe his death was relatively I don't know, peaceful or unremarked upon. Yeah, especially given the profession, right? Mm -hmm. So um, by that point, he, I think it was just kind of unusual for anyone in such a violent, inherently violent um, line of work to be able to retire. And even though he didn't win the most, maybe that's because he... He was looking, he was playing the long game, right, Ben? I mean, he was like protecting himself and maybe not being quite as reckless, but he certainly knew how to show off and have some flourishes. He had his own signature style, almost like, you know, tiger style or like something out of like a Street Fighter game. And it was called the Strong Final Dash. Oh, nice. Because nice. he he could just pull out all the stops. And yeah, that maybe means he would bide his time a little bit and stay out of harm's way and, like, protect himself. But then at the end, he would, like, come up and ahead of the pack. But, yeah, it's crazy, man, that he was able to just relaxingly drift away as an old man of, what was he, like, 50 years old? He passed away on his estate in the Italian countryside uh, near modern-day Palestrina. And he lived out the remainder of his days in a quiet life, living the quiet life. You know, he had a son and a daughter who later uh, erected a memorial to him at the site. 
And there he remains in history as the highest paid athlete of all time. But you know what? My spidey sense is telling me that several of our fellow ridiculous historians are having a come on, you guys, moment when you say, okay, so Diocles was was really balling back in the days of ancient Rome, but who is the world's highest paid athlete now? It turns out we do have the answer or an answer because some of this depends on how you calculate it. Uh, Casey, help us out with a drum roll here if you would be so kind. The highest paid athlete in the modern world is... It's uh, it's Floyd Mayweather, who's... um, you know, an American boxer, problematic figure. He's mm-hmm. gotten in some trouble with the law, but he's uh, managed to exceed the total of the other of himself and the other two top earning athletes in the world, who are LeBron James, Lionel Messi, and Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, and that those three had a combined earning total of two hundred and fifty nine million dollars for uh, a season's worth of work. Yeah, yeah. And that also includes, like, endorsements and partnerships and things like that. And this is reported by uh, Forbes magazine. But um, Mayweather knocked all of that out of the water with uh, something that happened very recently, right? That's correct. That's correct. He earned the top spot, uh, you said, a little north of 250 mil total for those other three. Between June 1st, 2017 and June 1st, 2018, Floyd Mayweather earned $275 million. This comes to us from a greatmoney.com article by Mike Ayers. Here's the kicker. He earned that, not across the year, he earned that for one night of work when he fought Conor McGregor on August 27th, 2018. Uh, Add in his total $10 million worth of additional endorsements, and we get up to $285 million. This is not his first time topping the list. He has topped it four times in the last seven years. Of course, that's quite a princely sum, but all the money in the world uh, still with our current level of medical technology will not help you fully recover from uh, decades of brutal concussions. It's true. So you win some, you lose some. And at this point, still, according to Dr. Strzok, no one has beaten the record that Diocles the charioteer established way back in ancient Rome. Makes you think. Would you do a chariot race? No, man. The two-wheel thing freaks me out. I would totally do it. You just I, I always, It seems like it'd be so easy to flip over. Those horses have to counterbalance the, you t- the whole time. And if you, if you lose the slack on the reins, it seems like your whole front end would go into the dirt. Or if they reared up a little too much, you'd flip over backwards. It just seems like a, a fool's errand to me, sir. I, you know, I, I see where you're coming from. To each their own. I think it would be a lot of fun. So if you know where I could... <laughs> I could uh, just ride some chariots around. Please, please let me know. You can uh, you can hit us on our Facebook group, Ridiculous Historians. You can hit me up on Instagram directly at Ben Boland. Surely there's some kind of chariot simulator you could try before jumping full bore into the Circus Maximus. I want to go for the gusto, man. All right, man. I respect that. I really do. Um, you can check me out on Instagram at Embryonic Insider. And Ben, I think you had a comic recommendation today. I do have a comic recommendation today. Uh, I am a fan of a comic series called 
Britannia, which studies the story of someone named Antonius Axia, the empire's finest, you'll love this word, folks, detectioner. He is applying scientific scrutiny and rational thought uh, to various mysteries, usually uh, mysteries that he is tasked with solving by the mad emperor Nero. It's a great read. It's highly recommended. Uh, Let us know if you've read it and what you think about it. In the meantime, of course, thank you for checking out today's show. uh, And thank you to Casey Pegram, as always. Thanks to Alex Williams, who composed our theme. Thanks to our amazing research associate, Gabe. Um, and thanks to you, Ben Bolin, my friend. Hey, thanks to you, Noel Brown. I've got a question for you. Is this uh, this comic recommendation is sort of an alternate historical account, kind of like um, like Manifest Destiny or one of those kind of deals? Uh, without all of the tinges of supernatural stuff. It's, got it. It's, uh, it's a mystery comic. And it sounds like a winner. It's well done. Let us know what you think. And please be sure and join us for the next episode of Ridiculous History. See you next time. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon waterways can go where the big ships can only dream, through winding passageways of rolling vineyards and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch strata coaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com.